Those Two Jerks is brought to you in part by Maverick Group, Maverick Group Experiential Technology. Need some nerds? Let's build something awesome together. Maverick. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Those Two Jerks, episode 138. I am your host, the Tom Alexander, and joining me as always, the Sussman, Rick Sussman. Hi, Rick. My voice sounds not terrible, or that's right, not less less it's, than normal terrible. It's about it's about as awful as usual, and Damn. and the Vukani Chris Vu. Hi, Chris. Damn. Hey. Good evening. Good evening. That's right. It is the evening of Sunday, uh, April twenty ninth. 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 Thank you. Twenty ninth. Oh, that's yeah, right. Rick knows May. the exact day it is because yesterday was Rick's birthday. Yeah. Wait, yesterday or is it today? No, it was yesterday. yesterday it was all was day. Rick's yesterday. Birthday. Oh. yesterday was Rick's birthday, and he's old now. In fairness, I was old before. Well, I'm that just is less true. Young. That is true. You <laughs> you hit fifty five the day you turned twenty one, I think. But uh, you got your first legal drink and your ARP card all in the same <laughs> Thanks. day. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, no, yeah, you're you're joining the ranks of the late thirties crowd like Chris and I. Uh I am yeah. and I gotta I gotta be honest, I am really not cool with that. <laughs> I know, dude. Thirty six hit me hard too. I didn't think it would. Uh, it really there was some certain switch within our genes. <laughs> there that is. Definitely after thirty five. It's I think yeah. is that is that a new like over the hill? I don't I don't know if it is, but it's it's definitely there's a change for sure. It definitely feels that. Yeah, way. no, I like I couldn't really bring myself to admit it honestly, but yeah, man, like being 36 and then at the end of that sentence you're like, "Oh, right, I'm officially um in my late 30s now." Right, exactly. Like you you just sort of say it and it's like, "Ah, oh, oh god." Oh, yeah. Man. There are a couple things that happen. Forty doesn't seem so old anymore. You're like, oh, forty's no. so young. Um, Why are you, people complaining about being forty? <laughs> you really start to feel like, um, either if if you have your shit together, you're kind of like, thank God I have my shit together by now because if I didn't, it would really be sad. And you sort of look at people that don't have their shit together by now, and you're like, that's really sad. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> you're you're still at the club. <laughs> right, a, you, know, you like, are you, know, you are in to... your late thirties, and you are still trolling for tail. Um, <laughs> it starts to get sad. Well, you know what's funny is um, just sort of happenstantially, we started watching Cheers on Netflix a couple oh, of months ago. <laughs> so we're up to season eight now, where it's getting like really bad. But um, bad. It, you if if you watch all the the series in a row, well, the later seasons about, are not as good as the early seasons, but it is still good. It's better than most things on TV. It's so difficult to watch Sam age. Oh and yes, he's, he's still the same guy that you started the show with. He has not grown in the slightest. <laughs> you can tell he's in his forties now, and he's still like, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get into bed with all these girls. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like you are. You are a lecherous cretin. Like, oh my god! Have you gotten to the part where he and Rebecca talk about having a kid yet? No, no. Uh, they, that they gets weird. 
It's just starts they still to haven't get gotten weird. together. Like she's they, with the rich guy right yeah, now. Yeah, and they yeah, you'll still later on, like near the end of the show, he starts to grow up a little bit and then it gets really weird. God. Does it so this is first off, how does that look in not HD? Yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, it's just a TV show. I barely watch it out of the corner of my eye when I'm not playing oh. on my phone anyway. Like I'm not and, I'm not sitting there, you know, at the start of my day going, Man, I I really got to watch more cheers. Like it's just <laughs> that, that's kind of what I was wondering. I'm like, there's there's all this new content, and you go backwards to cheers. What, what, well, it, it's sort of it's because like eye. I can only I can only watch so many episodes of Black Mirror before I just want to end it all. So. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't even. I only watched season or episode one of season three. How uh, how is the rest of it? Uh, it's it's a fine show, but you know. It, I much prefer shows where I, at the end of the episode, I don't contemplate Harry Carey. Like it's, it's, it's a better way to go for people like me. <laughs> well, it's, I, I, it's the thing I'm starting to like about streaming is that I can fill in gaps in my cultural knowledge. Like, Oh yeah. I haven't watched all of the West wing or cheers. Like, you know, yeah, there's that too. There's certainly that. Like so there's that, a, that is it. a benefit of it, you know, is that you can go back and, You'll get more jokes on The Simpsons as you fill in your your cultural <laughs> knowledge. Yeah, I mean, so like the West Wing is sort of like politics is politics and stuff, though, right? Like, how does something like Cheaters really hold up? I mean, like Red Cheers is regarded as one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, especially yeah, like, in terms like, of honestly, the ensemble. I, it's still pretty funny. I had no complaints through the first seven seasons, and I mean none. Like, if you can get through seven seasons of a t- and these are 24-episode seasons, so that's a lot of television that I just sat through and was like, this is great. And only now in season eight am I starting to get a little like, yeah, maybe I could find something else to watch. But, like, that's still so late into the that's game, a, that's right? That's a long, yeah, I mean, yeah. seven and seasons. Cheers had a good long run, and, um, you know, if you, liked, if you liked The Office, if you like Parks and Rec, if you like any ensemble sitcom that's come after it owes a debt to cheers for sure indeed um but speaking of netflix this is a huge show a really big show as ed sullivan used to say really big a really big uh as later on this episode we're going to talk to brian volk weiss the creator of the netflix series the toys that made us which as far as i'm concerned is mandatory geek watching if you are a geek who grew up uh, in the late 70s, 80s, and, and going into next season, probably the 90s. Um, and we're going to talk to Brian uh, on the show in the, the second half of the show, so that's coming up later. Uh, but first, we have a bunch of sports stuff to get to uh, for this week. And, of course, the first thing is, you know, the NFL draft. We had yes. to draft well, we, we've, Thursday, we've gone, Friday, we've and Saturday. Couple. We've gotten a couple of days without talking about the NFL, and mandatorily we're not allowed to do that. So let's right. get our NFL on top. Right. We got there were some burly guys in suits that showed up at my door and asked us to stop talking about the AAF and talk about the NFL again. And uh, and we were all too easy to oblige. Yeah, yeah. Um, we I'm I am not a fighter, so that's, <laughs> a, this is I consider myself a bit of a lover. This is how it went down. Um, but no, the NFL draft happened. Uh, we had uh, some a historic thing happen in that four quarterbacks were taken in the first 10 picks. Uh, we had Baker Mayfield going first overall to the Browns. Uh, you had Sam Darnold of USC going to the Jets at third. 
Josh Allen from Wyoming went to the Buffalo Bills. And then uh, Josh Rosen from UCLA went to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and then don't forget about Lamar. Yeah, well, Lamar, those were the four in the top ten, which was the record. Oh, and top ten part. I Lamar you, Jackson of Louisville went to the Vikings at number... I think, no, the, the Ravens. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's purple. <laughs> it sounds like me. <laughs> you listen to me, you damn kids. <laughs> it's purple. They went to the Ravens at, uh, what was it, 32? The last yes, pick of the, the first round. Pick. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other... I guess the other highlights for us, the Vikings took Mike Hughes, the UCF cornerback at, uh, where were they, 30th overall? Uh, 28th, 20, 28th, 28th, 20, somewhere towards the end of the yeah, first round. The end, yes. near the end of the first round. And then, of course, we had uh, Shaquem Griffin uh, of UCF, who's made a whole ton of, of positive press. If you don't know who he is, he's the, uh, the linebacker uh, who has one hand. Because of a oh my! Did you, did he only effect. has one hand, Tom. I know we couldn't hear enough about it on the draft all fucking weekend, but <laughs> for a like, guy there's a lot. The I mean, yeah, for well, but I mean, look, the guy's extraordinary. He's an excellent player. He had the fastest forty yard dash time at the combine. Um, there's a lot more to talk about about Shaquem Griffin than he has one hand. Like, oh no! I did, I, did I, they announce I totally, him as totally world champion Shaquem Griffin? <laughs> no, or like national champion, champion. But yes, that. <laughs> But um, but he went to the Seattle Seahawks in the fifth round, which is where his twin brother Shaquille Griffin plays. No, yes. So they all play together once again. They played together at UCF, and they'll play together at in Seattle now. Do they what? like pound the their fists and like turn into some sort of like object that comes at a time of need, like, like the, the Wonder, Wonder Twins? Twins? Yeah, wow, do they sort of activate? Wow. I don't, I don't think so. They're both incredibly talented, though. Yeah. So I, I was kind of, uh, I don't know, bummed <laughs> that uh, Shaquem fell to the fifth round. I figured given his showing at the Combine and his tape from college, he'd have gone higher. Uh, I was a little pissed that the Bucks took someone else at his position in that same round instead of taking him. Um it, what bothered me is that initially he was expected to go somewhere between the fifth and sixth round anyway. Right. And then and after his combine showing, it was like they invited him to show up for the first day, which is just round right. one. And he didn't but go But obviously it was one. just, that was just the NFL doing its best NFL impression yeah. and saying, yeah, yeah, come to the first day. You, you'll want this. You'll want to be here for this. Well, it's also like, hey, look at us. We invited the kid with one hand because we think he's going to go high. Right. Never mind the fact that the reason you're actually doing it is just for the, you know, the gimmick. Right, and the story. Because he how many, how many rounds are there? Rounds. Seven. And he went fifth. Okay. I mean, will he play? Uh, he'll he'll like... play on special teams this rookie year, and he'll be back up on defense. And if he develops, uh, he'll probably have a shot at a starting job in year two or year three. Okay. Cool. His bro his brother's a starter now. His brother started as a rookie. What does he play? What he's position? a he's a corner a cornerback. So also on defense, but different part different spot on the field. No, my my biggest gripe was just that I don't know why they bothered inviting him. Like that to me, that was just kind of a overall just a dick move. It was it was the NFL. You know, hey, this is it's TV. I mean, it's a made for television event. You got to think look at yeah. it that way. It's this was the first time it was also on network television. It was on Fox. 
Um, is that a network? Is that a yeah, real network? I mean, it's considered a network. It's on. <laughs> it's on free over the air, so it's it's a broadcast network. Um, it is network esque. Yeah, it has Gotham. I guess that makes it a network. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman show without Batman, sort of. Mostly. And now teenage Batman, sort of. He's we aged. That, he's aged that much. You can't call him Batman. Like two seasons. It's been on for four or five. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, I don't know where the time went, to be honest with you. No one was paying attention and nobody cared. No. I'm, no. I'm amazed that it's still on, to be honest. I'm, I'm too. Well, well, there are a lot of people who love it. Um, I, I just couldn't get into it. And apparently it's on the bubble for next season. We're, they're not sure. Oh, no. What, whatever will we do? Well, you know, they listen to the fans and turn the one comedian guy into the Joker, so... But maybe he's not the Joker, or uh, maybe he—I don't even I, want to. Why are we doing? They're gonna Jokers? stick around with it forever. Oh my God, Let, Tom, get us right this shit for God's sake! <laughs> All right, well, uh, I'm gonna—I guess I'll pick it back up here. Rick, how did you feel about the Vikings draft, or did you even care? Um, I—I I felt that the Vikings drafted. <laughs> okay. It I I I we outside of what that one time where we as a show got together and watched the draft together, sure. which was a lot of fun. I have I just I have no interest in the draft. It doesn't mean anything to me. I know a lot of teams considered an opportunity for them to get back in the saddle, and a lot of fandom believe that hey, now's our chance, and all this other stuff. That's and the thing. If you're a fan of the Browns, Jets, Lions, Bills, this is your Super Bowl. <laughs> It doesn't really, the hope doesn't get any higher than it is on draft day for you. Right. How often does it really pay off, though? I mean, like, they, as GMs and whatever, who are making, who who makes the final decision? The GM, the GM and the coach, mostly the GM. And the coach sort of together, right? Like, yeah. I'm kind of curious as to, like, how often you said that it's, like, seven rounds. Like, say, let's say people who pick in the first four, right? Because it's the upper half of it. How often does that pay off and they it really turns around a team? Uh it happens if you you know if you choose well, there's a lot of luck involved. Um, you know, I would Andrew say luck. the batting average is probably below five hundred, but that's only because of the number of teams worse, that make right? the playoffs and the number of guys chosen, you know. But uh it's you know, I mean you can. You can turn a team around if you have a good draft. You can turn a team around in a year. It doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. Um, if you look at the, the example that's glaring to me is the Bucks in the mid-90s when they were awful. Tony Dungy gets there, and in one draft, they brought in uh, Warren Sapp, Warwick Dunn, and Mike Allstott, I think. No, Allstott came in the same draft as Derek Brooks. Excuse me. It was Rondé Your Barber. Your favorite player. Rondé Barber, Warren Sapp, and Warwick Dunn all came in the same draft. And, uh, you know, two of the one of those guys is in the Hall of Fame. Well, of those two drafts, two of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. There's at least one more that probably deserves to be there. Um, you know, and it turned the franchise around for a decade. They, they went from a, a loser to a winner uh, pretty, cl- pretty quick. So it can happen, but it's, you know, it's also luck. You know, you, you That's pick what I'm guys. Like, is, it, is it basically fantasy football picking? In a sense, yes. I mean, you can scout guys all you want and watch tape, but you never really know how they're going to perform until they get on the field. So, yeah, it's it's a crapshoot in a lot of ways. There is one way you can hedge your bet, though. 
believe it or not. It's What's actually that? really easy. Um, you don't take a uh, rookie quarterback 17 years in a row. No one's done that. The Browns are getting close. No, they're not. How many times have the Browns drafted a quarterback? In the first, in the first round? First, yeah. In the first round? With the number uh, one overall pick. Well, no. they Okay, that's specific with the number one pick. That's only They've only done that twice. Tim Couch and Baker winner. Mayfield. But Possible in the winner. first round, in the first round, it's happened a lot. Tim Couch, Brandon Whedon. Brady Quinn, uh, Baker Mayfield now. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Well, but the Browns, they do this. They have this this desire. I don't know. Maybe they – I, I don't know how you draft a quarterback if you're the Browns in the st- starting your draft. One. you got to have one. And, you know, yeah, but- the, the, the conventional wisdom is – the quarterback is the most important position. If you have, if there's a guy available that you think is going to be your franchise guy, you take him as soon as you can take him. Yeah, yeah but that's every what time I did the with Browns... my fantasy football team. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he took Tom Brady, who was the MVP this year. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I if if you offered me Tom Brady or you offered me an unknown, I'd probably take <laughs> Tom Brady too. <laughs> Um, that this, you know, I'm not saying Baker Mayfield may not end up being Tom Brady. He could be, I I am saying, however, that right now I know that there's a running back who could change your team. And they chose, are you talking about Saquon Barkley? Yeah. Who went second overall to the giants. Right. Thus. and, And by doing so, Eli Manning suddenly is the most comfortable, you know, quarterback in the NFL. Well, here's the thing. Um, and here's, here, oh, I forgot about Johnny Manziel. That's another first round Browns quarterback. Oh, how could we forget about Johnny? Man? We just talked about that draft. We did. Um, anyway, um, here's what I heard happened. The Browns had the first pick and the fourth pick. Um, no one thought Baker Mayfield was going to be the first uh, quarterback chosen in the draft. Um, it was looking like it was going to be Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. And the Browns sort of started a smokescreen making it seem like uh, they were going to take someone else instead of Mayfield Mm -hmm. first. The thinking was that Mayfield was going to be there at four so that they were going to take Saquon first and that, okay, so then the Giants take Darnold and and who I can't remember who was at three before the Jets moved into three. Uh, takes Rosen or vice versa. And what happened was the Jets traded up into the third spot ahead of the second pick that the Browns had. And the Jets liked Mayfield. So the Mayfield being the guy the Browns wanted, they couldn't wait until four to get him. So they had to take him first. And then Barkley just wasn't there when their second pick came around. But their intention was to take both of them. So the Jets sort of screwed them out of that. Oh, Great. And the Jets took somebody in uh, the number three overall pick. Who was it? Yeah, they took Sam Darnold, the quarterback from USC. Right. A guy who is probably equally as good as, oh, whatever. Well, I mean, we'll see. Um, Sam Darnold is the one that most of the scouts think is the most ready of all the quarterbacks. Oh, okay. Well, then good for him. Yeah. Well, what about you, Tom? You you know, you're you're a Bucks guy. Uh, you, You seem to have some sort of 
trepidations about the Tampa Bay picking. No, they did okay. I think they did okay. Their first, I like their first pick. Vita Vea is a a big athletic dude who's going to line up next to Gerald McCoy. And, and the that, water tastes great. That D-line is like, I mean, with Jason Pierre-Paul and Gerald McCoy and Vita Vea and Vinnie Curry, they turned their weakness into a strength. They were last in the league in sacks. They certainly won't be last this year with those guys. And Gerald McCoy finally has a guy next to him who will soak up a double team. Who, who is oh. having oh, a hang, hang on. I think Chris has officially nodded off, so I guess it's time to move on. <laughs> Am I breathing that heavily? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think it's because my head slowly drifts down and then my <laughs> nose goes against the microphone out of my mouth. I told you. Let me adjust that. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway. I guess that's I guess that's a sign that we should move on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. The Bucks did I. We'll go with that. They did I. Anyway. I love. Thank you. Thank somebody had to rein this in. Oh yeah, yeah. Chris falling asleep is a great example. Did you actually fall asleep? No, I can't fall asleep sitting up. <laughs> That's what's stopping him. That is what's stopping. Yeah, the only thing. Anyway, all right. We had an interesting story about quiet workmen like Marvin Harrison, the former NFL. Yeah, this is this is a much more exciting story as it were. Who was always you know touted for you know he was so quiet he never talked smack he just showed up and did his job and you know put up Hall of Fame numbers along with Peyton Manning in Indianapolis and you know lunch pail type of guy and then you know you find out after he retires that he's a violent violent man. He may be a serious murderer, but we well, we don't know, know that for sure. Allegedly <laughs> involved, maybe with something, but um, let's go orange. <laughs> so Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison retired from the NFL in '09. Uh, he has a company that owns like 80 properties around Philadelphia, which I guess is where he's from. Yes, and, uh, the one of those is a car garage where there was a shooting. <laughs> In broad daylight back in 2008, <laughs> where one no man witnesses. was dead and another no got witnesses. shot. No witnesses, miraculously. <laughs> no witnesses. Just yeah. because he owns it doesn't mean he is an active participant. Yeah. Right? yeah okay. Read the I GQ mean, article about it. Uh, if that's where you want to go, Chris. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Read the read the GQ article from 2008 about that incident, and you tell me what Marvin Harrison was involved or not. But uh, there's some video that has surfaced, a uh, <laughs> recent video of Marvin Harrison uh, allegedly uh, shaking up a guy, wielding a baseball bat, and threatening <laughs> one of his tenants. Um, the guy who took the video claims to have a full eight minutes of footage of this interaction with Marvin Harrison. <laughs> That's a good number, too. I don't know why it's a good number, but this is eight. I got eight minutes of him trying to kill me. <laughs> Did he know that he had the camera? I don't know. I don't think Marvin Harrison cared. I don't, I don't either. I don't think it ever crossed his mind. <laughs> I don't either. I, it's, he, he's a retired football player, Hall, Hall of Famer. He's Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's got a 
Uh, he can't pay somebody to go shake somebody down with a baseball <laughs> bat. He's do That's what I'm saying. Like, at least, at least send somebody to do Keep it. He always clean. seemed to be the kind of guy who wanted to handle this on his own. If well, you will. he was, he was workmanlike. That's for sure. Yes. He just rolled up his sleeves and gets dirty. He, he'll, he'll handle this himself. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> I mean. I guess that's commendable, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't delegate, you know. Or, or delegate. <laughs> he he's leads not, by know. example, you know. Exactly. He's, the, he's the front of the line. He's a hands-on <laughs> manager, I guess. Man, that's at his car wash specifically. We're not talking about anything else. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's I guess it's you hear about NFL players that retire and they. You know, they either just become poor or just blow all their money. At least he's he's investing in his community. <laughs> he's a real boon to the community. <laughs> he's yeah, a I mean, land maybe... baron. He owns 80 properties. <laughs> he's definitely somebody that you can, that you, can, you know, he commands respect, if you will. Definitely. Like Negan. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we, we better move on before we actually do get libeled. <laughs> Yeah, Marvin Harrison's at my door right now. I was saying, like, yeah. Jiu-Jitsu doesn't include bat defense. (laughs) It also doesn't include pistol whip defense. (laughs) I'm just saying things that are true. I'm not alluding to anything. No. No, not at all. Not at all. All right, so let's move on. Um, since, Since we're one of the few people talking about it, let's keep talking about it, and that's the Alliance of American Football. They announced their second city. Their second franchise in the league is going to be in Atlanta. Atlanta is going to have the second AAF team. They're going to play their home games at Georgia State's uh, stadium in Atlanta. So I guess this is what they're doing. They're going to play at college stadiums. I didn't realize the Orlando team's playing at uh, Spectrum Stadium and not the Oh, yeah. Oh, so they definitely are. Not Camping Yeah, I thought I mentioned that. You mentioned it on Twitter, but we haven't mentioned it on the show. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, I mean, somebody's been paying attention to our Twitter a whole lot lately, but we'll get to that. Oh, boy. Good. I'm glad we'll get to that. Anyway, um, so they've announced the head coach for the Atlanta team is Brad Childress, who is familiar to you, Rick. Yeah, yes. Why uh, is that? Well, why is that? Oh, because he was just with the Vikings. <laughs> he was with the Vikings a few years ago. He coached there during the Brett Favre years. Yes, yes. He uh, he he is probably the the head coach most affiliated with looking like a thumb. <laughs> it's true. And uh, his offensive coordinator is going to be Atlanta football icon Michael Vick <laughs> and pet owner enthusiast. Like, yeah. <laughs> he paid his debt to society. I didn't say he didn't. Am I wrong with my statement? <laughs> Oh Lord, let's not even go there. Let's just hope He's... that the Atlanta team's nickname is not anything involving a canine, like oh, no, I, I, no I bulldogs, no greyhounds, no, no, no huskies. Like I think the pit bulls would be fine. Wow, I don't but, know. Uh, so he he was a, obviously a very good player. Yes, yes, yes. Legitimately, an excellent quarterback. Okay, so redefine the uh, redefine the position, honestly. Certainly. And, uh, and like you being facetious? No, no, no. no he, he he absolutely no, he was redefined excellent. The had position. he not had he not gone to prison for four years in, the, in his prime, uh, there's no telling what he could have done. Oh wow. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a shame. Uh, it, 
Does that make him a good coach? Or at least we don't offensive? know. He's never been a coach before that we know of. So uh, that's going to be I, interesting. I just get the feeling that this league is just looking for pub. And well, I think that's what fine. they need right now. It's their first yeah. year. They need they need pub. They need people. They need people that are going to put butts in the seats and sell tickets. No, I'm totally and I'm totally okay with that. And I think this is an excellent pickup. Um, Michael Vick is a name in the football community. Obviously, we know about his past. And yes, Tom is 100% right. We've even said that on the show. The man paid his debt to society. We really should, you know, allow that to not uh, be his one and only contribution to the zeitgeist. But it also makes for easy jokes. And that's kind of the name of our show. Yeah, so. yeah it might as well be called low hanging fruit. <laughs> but I think this is cool and, and good on the AAF. And it also... I'm starting to think that it's probably just going to be a Southern league, which I think is kind of neat. Well, maybe they've, they've said they're going to hold regional drafts. So I would imagine maybe these will be the only two teams in the South. They're going to have eight teams. So maybe they'll do two teams in each corner of the country. I find, I, I, I think that's a bad idea. Uh, just, uh, I mean, you have so few teams. Why, why, you know, risk travel issues. Why not just have, yeah, that's uh, a long, I mean, how many think about it. If there's only one team in LA or something like that, or California in general, that I don't know, man. What do you think about like, eh? yeah, maybe they don't spread them out that far, you know, but they're going to have to have somebody on the West coast. Like you can't make this a one region of the country league because then only that region's going to watch. And you maybe know, you that's the big that cities too. I mean, not that Orlando's all that big, but I mean, like you got to, Find more. You gotta go to like Texas, right? Like that's yeah. I mean, but yeah. Orlando is the biggest, the biggest media market in the country without a, an NFL team. It's true. Okay. So, so it was you know made sense for them to come here. Um, Atlanta obviously has an NFL team, but it's uh you know it's the South, which is hungry for football, and they'll be able to bring in a lot of guys from Georgia State and Georgia Tech and Georgia uh, that don't go to the NFL to play. So they'll be able to bring in a lot of SEC guys in general. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised could. if they throw a team in, I don't know, Birmingham. I think Chris is right somewhere in Texas, San Antonio, maybe. No, definitely. I actually I had a thought that maybe what they could be considering is sort of hugging uh, the southern part of the country. Possibly. Possibly. Because then you could get to Arizona. You could get to Texas. You could uh, get to St. Louis would be a good spot for a team. They just lost one. Yeah, but then you got to go to St. Louis. Yeah, but I mean, Missouri's not all that. I mean, University of Missouri's in the SEC, so they're the South, aren't they? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, you're such a piece of crap. All right, let's move on. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's see. We're... Uh... We're short on time, so we're gonna we're gonna fast forward to a baseball story now because we want, I want to pick up this thread from last week, and that is uh, last week last time we told you uh, that Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs wants uh, to shorten the Major League Baseball season. Well, that did not go unnoticed. <laughs> <laughs> um, it the media has picked it up. Um, Jason Stark of the uh, the Athletic, formerly of ESPN, uh, wrote a nice article about how they could possibly do it. Um, reporters have been asking players on other teams about it. Several of the Yankees players have been asked. Um, you know, they're, they're, they support 
most of them support reducing the number of games, but they're worried about the money issue, which of course nobody wants to forfeit salary. And what of course does Commissioner Rob Manfred say? But guys, we just need to stay open. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what he should say. Yeah. <laughs> In the interest of just staying open, uh, Manfred says, well, we, we can look at it, but um, the only way we're going to be able to do it is if we cut players' salaries. Our salary, our player salary is really the biggest expense. No, I mean, they're big, but I'm sure it's not the biggest expense teams that's have. Right. Like, the, the, the only way we can stay open is to cut players. No, there are other ways. Exactly. I mean, like, exactly. But this is the way that they can get around the entire subject without actually doing anything. By, by they just go, oh, out. you know, player salary. Right, out. and the players don't there want to do that, is. so they blame the players. You know, it's like it's perfect. It's the perfect cover for them to not look at this. Yeah, just ignore it altogether. It's right. fine. No, we would do it, but the players don't want to take a pay cut, so blame them. Yeah, well, it sucks the way the players are just always making about them, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, there it is. Sorry, guys. You know, we gave it the old college try. <laughs> and look, they have a point in a sense. They're playing fewer games. Maybe they should make a little less money. But I think there are other ways to financially make this work. Um, what was it Keith Olbermann? You retweeted a tweet from Keith Olbermann, Rick, this week. I did. I did. That uh, talks about this subject and... Uh, if you don't know who Keith Olbermann is, I don't know why you listen to this show, but <laughs> he's a former sports center anchor, political commentator, general sportsy guy now. Um, sportsy guy. Is that his official title? <laughs> let's go with that. Um, okay. he, he thinks that this is what they'll do. They'll cut to 154 games, which is what they had pre-1961, but they won't cut salaries. They won't cut revenues and they won't give back. 5% of the TV and radio money, but they'll raise ticket prices 10% <laughs> to compensate for all of the missed money. And then they will shut their doors within five years. <laughs> Just shutter the industry. <laughs> but, and, and you it. know what? I, he's probably not wrong. I, I could totally see baseball doing that because it would shoot themselves in the foot, and that is what baseball does. And <laughs> they'd love to do that. That is, they shoot themselves in the foot more than Barney Fife. <laughs> I like that even Chris is getting frustrated with the MLB. <laughs> like that, that lets me know that, Tom, you and I are doing good here. We're, we're making things really happen. It's <laughs> just, I get annoyed when ego gets in the way. You know, when, uh, I mean, I guess. I thought it, he was a it, pretty good character for the Marvel U. <laughs> he was great in Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank you. Um, Please continue. Um, it's just it's 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 frustrating because like as uh, maybe I don't know as the capitalist in me should be in I don't know. It's just it's I understand you have to make profits. I understand this, but like it's not going to work if you just literally shut your doors. I, mean, I, I did they? How can they not see that? I guess do they not? I don't think they believe that it's going to happen. Not anytime soon. I, I mean, that's sort of been the one constant running gag that Tom and I keep mentioning is that these guys, you know, they, they don't think that it's going to happen in their lifetime, so to speak. So no, it's not no. anything for them to worry it's about. It's not their problem. I mean, right. Let the next I asshole guess. have to worry about this. 
right, yeah. I mean, protect my wallet first, and uh, the future. Which I don't blame them for. I mean, you know, like, they're entitled to do that. I mean, but it's... I don't think anyone's going to blame them for that. But I think that's just sort of where, you know, that's where we're at. That's what's going on. So, if do you think okay? So, how elastic is the whole um, ticket prices, right? Like a, do you think a ten percent increase in ticket prices will result in a greater or less than ten percent decrease in attendance? It will be less than ten percent decrease in attendance. There are some people. Do you really think that it it will, even though they raised ticket prices from let's say a hundred dollars to one hundred and ten? There are some people who won't even for feel every that. game. Yeah, there are some people who who won't even feel that. These corporations that own boxes and buy season tickets, they won't even feel that because they'll just write it off. Right. I guess the average the average fan, the guys who buy the cheap seats, they'll bitch about it, but they'll eventually go because they still want to go. They're they're addicted. That's the that's the problem here is that. It's like the theme parks raising ticket prices. They'll they'll get to a point where people just won't pay it, but that point is so far in the future that we'll never see it. Yeah. They'll charge or, as much as they can get. Or they'll find a way to finance you basically like the magic are doing where they... Right, exactly. They'll they'll sell packages, you know, buy 10 games and get a discount or they'll have special sales or special They'll do flex pricing, which a lot of the teams already do, which is, you know, tickets are cheaper when less popular teams come into town and they're more expensive when more popular teams come to town. The Rays do that now. You pay premium prices when the Red Sox, the Yankees, uh, you know, the Dodgers, those kind of teams come to town. But you pay less when the Minnesota Twins or the Marlins or whoever comes to town. Or if they have a game against themselves in some sort of squits or splits <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Um <laughs> You know, so teams already do that. It's, you know, and again, there then there'll be fewer games. So they'll argue that, well, it's supply and demand. The supply went down, so the demand goes up. We can, you know, we need to charge more. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, it's, if, if that's the case and they don't lose attendance because of that, then good on them. Then that, that is the good solution because everybody benefits, I guess, except for the consumer. Well, that's the problem. Is that, and that's, I think, you what know. Olbermann's point is, is the way that they will make this work is they will screw the, the consumer. They will screw the little guy. The rich guys will take no less money. The TV networks, the billionaires who own the teams, the players, not one of them will lose a cent. The little guy will foot the bill for it. America. I guess as the long as people to pay for it, you know? I mean, that's, yeah. Okay. We yeah, should print that. that slogan on the back of our money. The little guy will pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they're willing to pay for it. Um, that's a shame. I mean, it, it, it is, you know, but, and it speaks to the, this sort of like arrogance and the elitism. I, I don't know. I, just, I guess it's not yeah. really elitist. Well, I mean, and, and, and hang on, let's not, you know, let's not signal the end of days just yet, even though that is my primary uh, go-to line. I don't think it's happening today, tomorrow or next week, but like, you know, like Keith Oberman says, like we're saying it, I think when it does happen, it will be the little guy who foots the bill. But I also think the little guy won't notice and will be happy to, you know, do whatever right. as well. Or they'll sell it in a way that it's like, they're sort of adding some sort of value to it. Right. Where right. We'll give you all you can eat hot dogs. 
Right. Or you and his leg hot dogs. Eat these stupid hot. What is, what's the line for the Simpsons? And now here's some tripe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They'll. You don't think we'll actually swallow. You don't expect tripe, to swallow do that tripe, do you? <clears throat> Here from the uh, meat council, some tripe. <laughs> the. No. Or they won't raise it immediately, ten percent, right? It'll right. Be Maybe it'll be a it'll be a gradual thing where it'll be at three percent this year and two percent the next, and right. you know it's it won't be a thing where people will notice that much or or whatever. I mean, ticket prices fluctuate from year to year anyway, given a <clears throat> team's performance or stadium or whatever. So. It'll be something people won't notice, likely. Or, I mean, the people that are going to games now, in large part, are baseball fans, diehard baseball fans. They're not going to stop going to games. I mean, it's not... They don't have the same problem the NFL has. The NFL has a problem with television right now. It's more enjoyable to watch the NFL on television than it is to go. That is true. With the popularity of fantasy football, more and more people want to watch multiple games at a time. And you can't do that if you're physically at the game or it's harder to do. And it's fucking expensive. Well, yeah, to go to the football game is expensive. Too, Absolutely, right? yes. Absolutely it is. But it's, it's just harder to put yeah, up stadium, five games at your, on your phone. Mortgage and, out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's expensive to go to a football game. The cheapest seats are usually around 50 bucks a piece. So, I mean, if you have a family of four, that's $200 just for admission. Another 25 to park. And then that's before you even eat or drink anything. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a fine racket. Yeah, it ain't cheap. We'll see what baseball, happens. Baseball doesn't have that problem. The game is more enjoyable in person than it is on television right now. Fantasy baseball players don't generally want to watch five games at a time. It's just not the same. It's not the same issue. So the people who really want to see baseball are still going to go. And that, that'll end up being the rationale for this. Well, good on them. You know, if it works. <laughs> we'll it's see. We'll see if they even, if they even do it. And uh, I don't know. I think it's we'll a few keep, years off anyway. Yeah, we'll keep a watchful eye. Of course we will. Of course we will. Because, we'll, you know, we have to make sure they stay open. <laughs> what else will we complain about? Right. I mean, we won't be able to complain about Tim Tebow if baseball doesn't stay open. Oh. Well, now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, be play, you'll be able to complain about him when he's playing in Orlando. That's true. On the we can go team. heckle him at the football on the football team. So that'd be you know. He uh, promised. Yeah. He promised. <laughs> yeah, we'll get. We'll probably get stoned, but uh. We'll Whoa! Awesome. No, not that kind of stoned. Oh, I mean, like I mean, biblical Old Testament stoned. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's move on to geek stuff, nerd stuff, and uh, this is a huge weekend, guys, because it hey, is the weekend yeah. of Avengers Infinity War, uh-huh. which is now uh, has the largest opening uh, of all time, passing the, F- the Force Awakens, the largest opening at the box office ever. Um, Rick, you saw it, yes? Uh, yeah, sure did. <laughs> I saw it today. Chris, uh, I, I imagine you haven't had a chance I yet. Not seen it. <clears throat> so we will try I, and be as spoiler free as possible uh, for Chris and anyone else out there who hasn't seen it yet. Um, but in the interest of being spoiler free, Rick, oh my God, that point where the Inhumans showed up 
And oh, it was like I, the no, whole you, second you, half of the movie. Uh, if you didn't watch Inhumans, you, you wouldn't understand it. You goddamn it. people. You, you, you won't. You just, no, just shut your mouth, all right? This movie is really brutal. Oh, my God. It's, Black Bolt steals the whole thing. I hate you. I hate you and everything you stand for. You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> God damn it. It's a really well done movie. And the kind of thing that you just sort of have to know going in, non-spoiler, is people, when you tell them you're going to go see Infinity War, the natural reaction is be strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's an intense movie. It's a lot. Um, epic is the word I've heard used to describe it. I think it's a good one in terms yeah. of scale. It's massive. Um, it pays off all ten years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Really, in many different That's ways. Yes. Bold. It's a really. It is a. They pulled off perhaps the most difficult feat ever a- attempted in. I would say mainstream movie making. Period. Because they had With that many characters. Nineteen we- movies worth of story elements to tie together that many characters, 10 years of continuity to pull together. And every character in this movie gets a moment, if not more than one, um, they managed to explain briefly who each person is for people who haven't caught up on all the movies. Um, you could fairly easily jump into this one and know what's going on. At least you would Um, have a fair idea. You'd be able to follow it. You wouldn't know exactly the relationships, but this movie might make you want to go search those out and explore it more. Um, but you would know what's happening. Um, it's, it's really well done. It's not the greatest superhero movie ever made, but it's an impressive achievement. And, uh, and then it, it has elements that I don't, I have never seen a movie like this before in, in how, in how it plays out. I have, I now understand, I feel what it must have been like to watch some of the original um, Star Wars movies in theaters to see something that you've never really seen before happen. Well, I mean, and I don't know about never that. never really seen before. Because really... I wouldn't say it's not something you've ever seen before. I mean, they do, they take some risks in terms of superhero movies, but well, knowing that there will be another one a year from now, those don't have the impact. That well, they maybe may if be you don't have a soul, have. they don't have the impact. Oh, sure. Lord, come on. Uh, look, all right. Maybe, maybe, if you saying... don't, maybe if you don't have a caring bone in your oh, body, stop they don't it. have the Okay, impact. first of all, they're fictional characters. Second they of all, children. without saying who, when, and how, people die in this movie. Okay, people die. It's a war, people die. But there's another movie a year from now. Oh, okay. So well, obviously, and, and if you know if you know anything about if you know anything about the other movies Marvel has already announced and plans to release, you know some of these deaths are not permanent. Hmm. Hmm. Anytime the stones are involved, exactly, the stones can change reality, time, and space. Yeah. I mean, or anytime life. those are involved, and it's comic books, souls. Obviously, some of these deaths might be permanent. A large part of them may not be. Um, we'll find out in a year. Um, I have my theories. Um, if you want to discuss those after you see it, you can email us or tweet us or send me send us a Facebook message, and uh, I'm happy to regale you with those. But um, 
it's so would still you say an excellent movie. That this is okay. So Avengers One was good, was great actually, in a sense that it was the first one to really bring it all together, right? Right. Like, it, they pulled they pulled off the thing everyone wasn't sure could be done by serving a whole bunch of superheroes in one movie. Right? That was Age of Ultron. Nah. Age of Ultron was okay, but it was more of the same in terms of Avengers movies. Like yeah, we, it just we already, wasn't. It didn't break any new ground for superhero right. movies. It was entertaining. I mean, I can't. But it was entertaining. Remember much about it, to be honest, other than it was called Age of Ultron. Well, you may want to um, wa- rewatch it before you see this. I mean, there's a couple things in this that, like, there are some movies that are, I wouldn't say must sees, but if you've seen them before and it's been a while, you may want to just sort of brush up. Really, Age of Ultron of all things? Yeah, I would say yeah. probably the both, most insignificant. I would say both no. Aven- both Avengers movies are are uh, I wouldn't say required material for this, but it would it'd be good to brush up on them. The three Captain America movies, uh, the first Guardians, and mm. and the three Thor movies. Basically, anything that has to do with the Infinity Stone. Basically, yeah. Anytime we've okay. seen an Infinity go. Stone, it would be good to got it brush okay. up on what happened. I'll I'll definitely keep that in mind then because I probably won't see it for another until it's like floating around the dollar theaters. Um, hmm. man, that worth it, huh? It's really good. It's really good. See it on a see it on a big screen if you can. It was shot with IMAX cameras. I didn't see it in IMAX. I may go back and see it in IMAX. I watched um, it in IMAX 3D. Did you? Um, I hate I hate 3D so much. Yeah, but I'm not a fan it was of 3D cool. either. It was meant to be IMAX. 3D. No, like, no. it was only it was shot in IMAX, not in 3D. Okay. But it's hard to find a theater that will do IMAX and not 3D. Where did you go, Rick? Uh, Point Orlando. Okay, so yeah, see, they, have, they have the big IMAX screen. Yeah, the true IMAX. <clears throat> well, true it's, IMAX. that one's not even the true IMAX anymore. <laughs> it, once wa- it was before, but they, yeah. that, that projector broke, and they didn't want to spend the money to replace it. The truer really? IMAX. Yeah. It's hard to find a true IMAX. I uh, saw Avatar at that theater, actually. Yeah. So did I. It's a good movie, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, whatever. Anyway, um, it's worth going for sure. It's, it's excellent. It's, even if you're not a fan of, of the Marvel Universe per se, in terms of superhero movie making and studio movie making in general, it's... It's a feat. It's a it's a cinematic milestone in that I don't think anyone's ever attempted to tie together a decade's worth of movies. That's a lot of. I mean, what sixteen movies? Eighteen, I think. This is number nineteen. I want to say somewhere around there. Yeah, it's, okay, it's a lot so of movies. That's that's my. I mean, obviously they did well because you guys are talking very very highly of it right now. But is it one of these things where at some point when they start to like tie things together? I mean. You, you just have to constantly see flashbacks. No. Because like, that sort of takes away from movies Yeah, no, me. there's... I would say there are little to no flashbacks. There aren't any flashbacks. There's some expository dialogue, but even that is not um, overly obvious, I would say. It's, they do a, it's really well done. Um, and it's yeah. not... It's very A to B to C. It's not they're they're not trying to misdirect you a lot. Like there's not a lot of you know there are surprises, of course, but I wouldn't say there are massive twists in terms of things that aren't there. Like it's very you know, it's it's not a I don't want to say it's a predictable plot, but it is in a sense. 
Well, it, I mean, it's predictable if you know what to expect. Like, right, if you go in, if you're a fan of, of you know, these movies, you kind of know kind of where this is going. I mean... Right, I mean, yeah, it's... So, there's the that. I, uh, I mean, not you know, that, not that and, the comic really even... No, but there are some watched. parallels. There are okay. some parallels. But not, but no I mean, parallax. it's not exact. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong universe. Sorry, sorry. There was a Deadpool uh, trailer at the beginning of mine. I'm, yes, I'm all there was around. in mine too, and he uh, that was funny that the line about you're awfully dark. Are sure you're not part of the DC universe? <laughs> so dark. It was great. It was great. He also he also calls Cable Thanos in that trailer. Yeah, that was good too. Um. Anyway, um, where was I going? Oh, there's only one post credit scene, and it's way at the end. So make yeah, sure it's, the, it's a it's a it's a throwback post credit scene <laughs> in a way and, in that it's, you know, the end. Yeah, oh, yeah. in that it's way like at the true, end and not. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it is important that you see it. So uh, wait until the end. Uh, I just have to go see this next week. It's really good. <laughs> see if it's, break away. it's worth your time. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go. Rick, any final thoughts on Infinity War besides you weeping in a corner? I wasn't even in the corner. And you know what? Before you get all uh, all high and mighty, I wasn't alone. I would anyone who had a soul. Oh, oh. don't don't start that. Oh, Rick. Okay, so in terms of like sheer weepiness on a scale of one to ten, ten being up. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Coco yet. I hear yeah, that's I, an eleven. I, I cried Ooh. pretty effing hard at Coco. Ooh, I'll tell really? you that. Oh yeah, that's worse than Up, dude. I cried more at Coco than I did at Up. People have said that Coco is like a two and a half hour version of just the first ten minutes. Of oh up. my god! Especially <laughs> like the last, the last third of Coco. If like I cried so much. <laughs> mm, okay so that being 10 being up in coco evidently <laughs> one being i don't know just one any being what the first iron man let's go with that I, yeah the first iron man where, where, where would you put this rick um there was and more than more than what tom is alluding to there there are things that happened throughout the entire movie um that had me uh less than less than kosher um it, it it wasn't up i don't think it ever could be honestly um so i would put this probably just over the hump at either you know like either six uh six or seven around there i would agree with you i didn't like i like i said i didn't cry but i would agree with you there the, the in terms of the emotional impact of the scenes i mean yeah there are some that are really really sad and there are some things the characters do that just leave you wanting to wring their necks and yell at the screen and all kinds of things. Um, so in terms of that, absolutely. I would go, I would agree with you there, Rick. So let's move on. <sighs> and uh, okay. let's, let's talk about Star Trek for a second. Uh, oh, did you get more action figures that are worthless? Shut up, Rick. <laughs> Shut up, Rick. Brian's a Star Trek fan, so I'm going to have him take you to task later on in the show. For that. Oh, oh, he can tell me how right you are to have kept all those, right? Shut up, Rick. <laughs> anyway, CinemaCon was in Las Vegas over this past week, and it's uh, where a bunch of theater owners go uh, and a bunch of movie makers go to talk about movies. And 
uh, we got a little bit of news that came out of there. The first is Patty Jenkins confirmed that Wonder Woman 2 will take place in the 1980s, confirming a long-held rumor. Um, and the other thing involves Star Trek. Paramount has said now they are developing not one, but two Star Trek movies. Uh, the next one would be a sequel, a fourth installment in the Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, uh, Abrams-verse yeah, movies. I was going to say, just call it the Abrams-verse. Yeah, the, yeah, that's what most people call it, or the Kelvin timeline. Um, and then the other is the one we've talked about before that Quentin Tarantino is developing, that no one has any fucking clue what it's going to be. Or care. You forgot about care. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I care yeah, in that it's going to be terrible. That's what I care. <laughs> Um, but anyway, the thing is, uh, with the fourth installment in the Abramsverse series, they've announced who the director is, and it is a history-making one. S.J. Clarkson is going to direct the fourth Star Trek film, and if you don't know who S.J. Clarkson is, uh, she has worked mostly in television. She's directed episodes of Heroes, Dexter, Jessica Jones. She directed The Defenders for Netflix, um, but the key word is she She's the first woman to direct a Star Trek film. Ever? Ever. Wow. I didn't Ever. actually know that. Yes. Through, uh, this would be 14 films. This would be the 14th. She's the first female. So That's that kind of sad, right? Like it, a I mean, little bit? Yeah, it is a little sad, especially given that, you know, Star Trek was supposed to have this yeah, example of inclusion. movies, and, and they're all women. sort of very different, too, right? Like In a sense, yeah, I would yeah, say. They're all, because there they have been different, different directors, and they've covered different generations, and yeah. Um, and they're all very different. Like, the, you know, from what, First Contact on, was it a very different feel than the first six? Sure. You know, and then... Like, and then after, what was that, like, Nemesis and Insurrection, those were very, very different than, you know, the sort of the next generation casted ones. And, and in all that, there wasn't a woman? No women. No women until now. Um, and the other little bit of news is uh, Chris Hemsworth is going to be back as Captain Kirk's dad for this movie somehow, even though he died in the first... Chris Pine are they story. are they gonna finally take my idea and do the whole thing about the ribbon? Like, is that did I? You remember when I fixed Star Star Trek that one time in like five I minutes? I sort of remember that. Yeah, we I have to go back and listen to the tape, but uh, I do sort of remember that. And uh, it, I would imagine it's gonna involve some kind of time travel because he's gonna kind of has his to dad. definitely. Yeah, he died when Kirk was a kid, right? Yeah, when well, he died he the day born. Kirk was born. Yeah, because uh, because that's future Romulans attack. That's what set off this whole timeline was the fact that Kirk, like Kirk's dad, gets killed, and that's what set off the alternate universe. Is in the original timeline, Kirk's dad didn't die. <laughs> so that somehow leads <laughs> I don't to know why that always makes me somehow laugh. leads to them developing more powerful ships earlier and yeah. changing the whole ranking because... system and uniforms and all kinds of things. Fine, whatever. <laughs> That was the flashpoint. Like that was a, was it like the opposite of Wally West or uh, not Wally West? Barry Allen. Barry Allen's mom. Mom. That whole deal. That's... Yeah. She survives and suddenly Thomas Wayne is Batman now. Yeah, and then just that minor thing, and and all right. 
Um, oh, speaking of, I know this wasn't on the docket, but you just reminded me. So thank you. Did, did you? Are you guys up to date on what's going on with the 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 bat cat marriage? Uh, I heard am, they got married. I am aware of it. Yeah. So um, would uh, would would you be interested to know that uh, we are in another para- parallel universe timeline for Batman once again? Oh, oh Christ! Are we really? <laughs> is is Grant Morrison involved? No, no, no. So uh, what happens is Booster goes back in time. No, of course. To give Batman his wedding present, which is he w- goes back in time to stop his parents from getting killed. Are you are you serious? Who did this? Uh, this is Gold. currently going on in DC Comics Batman. And uh, in doing so, um, the timeline has altered. Of course. As as is wont to do. <laughs> and um, we have uh, a new Batman. Kills. Oh. oh, and do we know who it is yet? Yeah, it's Dick Grayson. I figured it would be. <laughs> And that's all I know because I'm a little behind, but I saw that just, and uh, I just, hadn't planned on bringing it up, but you re- you reminded me, so just, I, I just thought I'd... The fuck that. Like, just all kinds of just actual fuck. God damn it. What's weird, though, is they just did this kind of same thing yeah. with, like, with, um, what was her, where, where, um, Catbird was, what was her name? When it, when Catwoman was a good like there was a there was the Gotham Topia storyline. Oh God! Anyway, Can you guys hear that? So, Can you hear that? No, that's no squeaking. Way. No, you hear that? No. Oh, that's that's me using this old timey drill to take out one of my eyeballs right now. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was too. Why loud. is it old timey? Because it's a crank. Not a power drill. It's just old. Oh, tiny... it's like the kind that you like the old egg beaters. Exactly. Like the, the, okay. Exactly. <laughs> it hurts more that way. And if someone's gonna put me in this kind of pain, I want it to be me. <laughs> I'm happy to help. <laughs> Awful. Just ah, oh, God. I would say this is why I stopped reading comics, but it's not really. It's a symptom. I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't have had as big an issue with it, but they're actually like the solicitations for it are. The Flashpoint-like storyline. Oh, are you serious? Come on, guys. Don't do that. That tells you right there they've run out of ideas. Yeah, well, it makes me sad. But they just fixed the whole Flashpoint thing, too, with Reaper. Well, it's going to be a story within a story. And, you know, Tom King is a pretty good writer. He's been doing some good stuff. He is. Admittedly, his his Batman stuff, I I got the uh, Rebirth deluxe with what issues one through 12 and Batman was right. very, very good. It, it is, but it's also one of those moments in time where like we older nerds sit here and look at each other and go, Oh man. <laughs> well, at least Superman has his underwear back, I guess. Yeah. That's and, important. Yeah, we, we, we all we just got sit that back fixed. <laughs> stare at each other. We got that fixed. That's great. Remember <laughs> zero hour. Remember how simple zero hour was? Yeah, no, Zero Hour in retrospect looks really intelligent. Doesn't it? <laughs> Doesn't it though? It looks it looks conservative by today's <laughs> standards. <laughs> like it's almost a blip in continuity like, compared oh, to well, what wh- they do is, now. Why did Zero Hour happen? Oh, well, th- it's actually this is what happened. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was it? I didn't need to read f- a four issue miniseries by Grant Morrison that was basically a textbook to help me understand oh. it. 
I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I can't stand when books have to come with companion books. <laughs> it makes me sad. Like, yeah. really? Comics should not have an appendix. <laughs> First, you need to read these 12 oh issues. God. Then we can discuss it. Yeah. Here's your required summer reading before you begin this crossover event. <laughs> ah, well. There Good you go. Lord. Happy to help, guys. All right. So one last quick geek thing, guys. The Venom trailer came out this week. We got our first look uh -huh. at Venom. What'd you think? I'll, uh, I, I will <sighs> allow the right good gentleman from, from the other side of jujitsu to begin the conversation. I... <laughs> I don't know. I, it, do we need this Venom movie <laughs> so bad? <laughs> Sony need does. It. Sony needs it. Is this a part of the whole, like, they have to put out film to be able to just keep but, the rights or whatever the hell I it think is? That's part but, of it. But, but Tom also, Holland is we also... Want, a... We want money that we don't have to share with Marvel. Yeah, even though Tom Holland's supposed to, like, have a credit in this movie, but who knows what that means. Oh, yeah, there are rumors that he's got a cameo somewhere. Yeah. So that, if we, that's what they're if gonna we do could, now? if we could, I, will, uh, I would like to discuss um, just what we saw in the trailer. Um, I am neither sold nor not sold on this movie as yet. Hmm. Elaborate. Um, it doesn't look good. But I also don't feel that I've seen enough to really make that final assertion. The only thing that I'm truly upset about is that I personally don't think that Venom really looks that good. And the voice that they went with for Venom himself seems awkward. Yes. He sounds like Darkseed from like the 1960s Super Friends cartoon. <laughs> Meanwhile, inside Venom's head. Right? Like, he, he sounds... It just sounds bad. Like, yeah, he sounds is, like I a mean, Scooby-Doo villain. He really I mean, does. is it the whole thing? Or, or... Oh, God. Is it meant to be, like, the dark side of, like, um, Tom Hardy's? Like, is it, like, his id speaking? Right. You know, like, I mean, that's what that... they're, I think they're going for. Is it well, yeah, is speaking inside demons. his head? Yeah. yeah, embrace. Yeah, yeah. That's right. He's he's not a tortured soul. He's embracing the darkness. It there's a lot that I saw in the trailer that I could be interested in. Now, granted, I'm going to give many passes here because, as we all know, I'm kind of a venom mark, so I can't not give passes. That said, uh, uh, this did not inspire. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I agree with both of you. The voice is not good. Uh, I don't get where all the love for this is coming from. I mean, it's that's just, that's what I'm trying to figure out too. It's, these, it's got to be these just obsessed Venom fanboys from the '90s that just desperately want their anti-hero. I mean, it doesn't look that great. It, no, it looks, but there's these guys know. that have you know the Venom the Venom symbol tattoos and. They still read, cling to their Punisher comics from the '90s and their their wolf, feral Wolverine run in X Men, and you know all that I, garbage. I feel and attacked. I'm not trying to attack you, but <laughs> I, I mean, like, there are people that are like you, I guess. 
<laughs> it's just it's we don't need a we venom don't need like this. I mean it's a cool character design. I get it, right? Like it's it's still cool by today's standards. I'm not sure it's cool enough to translate to real life though. Well, I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. And I freely admit that's probably because I'm a big Venom guy and we all know it. Um, However, I'm what my concern more than anything with what my like my comes from how many people like Tom was saying thought that this was fantastic. And I didn't feel that way. And I was trying to figure out what was I missing? What? Why didn't I get there? Because you're not 13. Yeah, but people who are way beyond 13 think that this is cool as shit. Because they still think like they're 13. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's all that's going on here is um, just that we're not into it. It's not us. But I don't know why people love it so much, and I'd I'd like to know. I'd like to know what I'm missing here, why I'm missing it. Yeah, perhaps I'd be curious to know too. And you know what? If you're one of those out there and you thought the Venom trailer was really cool and you're all excited, let us know why. Email us or tweet us or send us a Facebook comment. I'd like to know, <laughs> especially if I'm wrong and you don't have a Venom symbol tattoo and you don't beat off to old issues of Punisher War Journal. You know, I would like to know. Oh, God, who would ever? I mean, War Journal of all things. Oh, there we go. Oh. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> it just looked it looked like a like an HBO movie. It, in fact, it reminded me a lot of like like the John Leguizamo violator spawn. Well, like, actually, just... I have a theory about that specifically. Um, they sort of were aping a little bit of what I thought was the Sam Keith look from that same time period of the, uh, like, so you had spawn and then you have, um, Sam Keith obviously was a big inspiration by the way, for, um, Venom, if you're not aware, well, I don't know who um, Sam Keith is the, so the, Max, Sam, guy. the Max. Yes. Oh, the okay, Max. Okay. Um, so he did a lot of Venom stuff and, I felt like they like uh, they really kind of went that direction. Um, I I don't know. Like like I said, my my biggest like huh moment was more to do with the fact that everyone thinks this is great, but me. Like, shouldn't I be leading the charge? I don't know what's happening. Yeah, right there with you. Yeah. Maybe right. people just love Tom Hardy that much that they just. Oh, sort I do of... love Tom Hardy that much. All right. <laughs> okay, it's time for the thing we've been teasing you about for the entire show. Uh, we don't get many guests here around uh, Jerk Nation, but you know we washed the dishes and took the extra chair out of the closet <laughs> for this one. Uh, <laughs> dusted off the table and. Uh, because when we saw the toys that made us on Netflix, uh, it was almost as if someone reached into our little jerk brains and made a show just for us. And we had to talk to the person responsible. So we managed to round him up. Uh, so join us in welcoming the creator of the toys that made us, Brian Volk Weiss. Brian, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, very honored uh, to be speaking here. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if you'll be saying that in a few minutes, but thanks. We appreciate the, the courtesy. I appreciate him serving that one up to you. That was, this that may was really be, nice of him. This may be one you want to forget sooner or later. But... <laughs> yeah, Brian, I got to say, um, it. I watched your show when I had, like, I had literally had a newborn baby and I was off of work for like two weeks. And I typically don't binge oh, wow. shows, but when you have to literally feed a little human every two hours. You don't get much time to sleep. So I just binge watched your show and I was so devastated when it was only four episodes <laughs> <laughs> at the moment. We, we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I take it the, the, the best compliment anyone could give us. Believe me, I've heard the opposite. <laughs> so suck you heard it from me first <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah so tell us a little bit i mean obviously the second half of season one is premiering uh may 25th correct yeah um so there's four more episodes coming chris and in pretty short order but um tell us a little bit about how the show started um, so as long as I've been a, a toy collector, which be, you know, with, like all of us started when I was a player uh, with toys before I was a collector of toys, um, <laughs> I was also a, a big history buff. My grandfather uh, saw a lot of history uh, in his lifetime, and, and I grew up listening to uh, the stories that he told me, and I was always a history buff. And at some point, uh, and this is, you know, seven, eight years ago now, um, I realized, you know, you could walk into a bookstore and there would be three, four, five, six books about the War of 1812 um, and no book about the history of the Transformers, no book about the history of G.I. Joe or, or Star Wars toys. And it just always seemed very strange to me. And I mean, no disrespect to the, the, the War of 1812, but, <laughs> you know, you just had, uh, you know, you had these characters and these toys that affected over the course of time billions of people. And, like, it was impossible to find out well, where did Starscream get his name from? You know, why why does Cobra, uh, you know, do this? And it was just very strange to me. So it was one of these weird things that I, I put together the, the pitch for the show and I started pitching the show and it was just always very strange to me that no one had done it before. To, to this day, we're pretty much the first people to have made a documentary about Transformers. Uh, and I find that very strange. That yeah. I'm tell, I, every time I say that, I feel like I'm lying. Um, <laughs> but no, I, can, I keep asking people to tell me if, if they know otherwise and they don't. So uh, I, that was really the impetus, was just to do a deep dive into the toys that, you know, inspired us as children um, and do for that what, you know, many documentaries have done for World War II or the Civil War. Um, and that really was, it was that simple. So are you saying that someday there could be a cable channel like history that's all about, uh, I don't know, Hitler and action figures, basically? <laughs> You never know. You never. This day and age, I, I wouldn't. Uh, they got some weird channels for for a lot of weird things these days. <laughs> I can't so, wait for a a Ken Burnsian style thirty seven part series. This is gonna be the best. So when you when you, you never know when you initially put the pitch together, um, were you did you think about one toy line in particular, or was it all four of these at once? How did that come together? 
Star Wars was always the lead toy. That was my favorite toy. Uh, it was also the toy I knew the most about. Um, and it was also one that I thought affected uh, the most amount of people. Uh, I'm almost 42, so my age. Um, and then, you know, we built the deck out, and it had, to be completely honest with you, it, it really had um, all the toys that ended up in season one. I'm pretty sure uh, were in the original deck, except I think we had 10 in the original deck, and the uh, first season of toys was eight. So there were two that we had to remove, um, but we really did uh, what we were planning on doing. Okay, so now the obvious question is, what were the two you had to remove? Yeah. If I remember correctly, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and My oh. Little Pony. And that oh, makes sense. Oh, come on. Hmm. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, Ninja Turtles was Rick's big one as a kid. Oh, He's well, hurting himself now. I uh, I don't want to give away any secrets, but uh, you know, hope, hopefully, Rich will have a good uh, a good Saturday morning uh, in the well, near future. <laughs> that, that's all we can ever hope for is that a good Saturday morning. You know what? Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> so, so you said you pitched it a lot of different places. At, at what point did Netflix? I pitched it involved? everywhere. Yeah, I pitched okay. it everywhere uh, for almost seven years. Yeah, wow. everywhere. Wow. And Net okay, Netflix said twice. yes. Well, I had the inside track at Netflix because of all the stand-up comedy uh, business that we have there. Mm -hmm. So. I, you know, for over a year, you know, people would see me walking down the hallway and be like, oh, God, he's going to start talking about that toy thing again. <laughs> uh, but uh, very, very luckily, eventually, uh, I was able to get uh, someone to take this idea seriously. Um, and what he basically did was he gave me uh, a roadmap uh, for how to do the show in a way that would work for Netflix. Uh, we went out and shot our own tape. It was about five minutes long. Uh, they loved the tape. Then they had us work on a treatment um, and that ended up being uh, over 30 pages long. And uh, that's what got the show greenlit. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, on, that, on that same sort of branch, I guess, um, is there... Uh, of all the toys that we were talking, we know we have four more coming. We've already seen four. Um, is there one constant that you noticed that made all of these toys so popular? Was there any one uh, one thing that sort of stretched across the board? You know, it's in the He-Man episode. Um, it, it it really is. It's all about power. Uh, and I have I have three little children. Uh, between the ages of four years old and uh, I think five days old, oh, and wow. uh, oh, I, I see it, I see it in my own children. You know, children have no power. They are told when to wake up. They are told when to go to bed. They are told what to eat, and toys allow them to have. Power might be the wrong word. Maybe that's just what He-Man said, of course. But it's really about control. So right. you basically have these people, regardless of their age, who 
who have no control over anything. They can't pick the shoes or the socks they wear. And you basically be like, hey, you're in charge of an intergalactic battle. <laughs> or, hey, you're, you're, a, you're a fashion model that can be an astronaut or a doctor or a surgeon. And that's really the common, by the way, this applies to everything except Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty is just, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that, that has its own bizarre. And I'm a huge fan now. <laughs> Believe it or not, I knew more about Hello Kitty uh, than I did about He-Man uh, when this started. Uh, but uh, it, 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 Hello Kitty is its own little world. Uh, but well, for the other seven, uh, it's really about control. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny you mention that because my sister, who is uh, exactly your age, um, is a giant Hello Kitty fan. She goes to Kitty Con or Hello Con. I don't know which one it is, but she's there all the time. She she's in South Florida. So she there's a West Palm Beach Con that uh, just Hello Kitty, I think, annually that I, at this point, I don't she might be one of the staples. She's there so much um, <laughs> for me. Growing up, believe it or not, I was a big nerd. Shocking. You? Um, no. I know, right? Okay, Am. Um, I actually, I had all these G.I. Joes and, and Ninja Turtles. And you mentioned the whole, the power, the ability to do. I would take these figures. And uh, my dad bought me the WWE wrestling ring, the WWF wrestling ring, the big blue one. And I would wrestle my, I put the, the, the Joes in a match and I would script the match. So it's funny that you would, you know, mention that it is about being able to have your own uh, ability, your own power to do what you want. So for me, the G.I. Joe episode, as you may imagine, was kind of the one that I most gravitated to. I was most excited to watch. Um, was there one episode in the series, and maybe we haven't seen it yet, I guess, that for you, this was the episode? You, you sort of mentioned Hello Kitty, maybe, but or Star Wars? I did. Did you finish your question? <laughs> What's the question? What is your one toy? The one thing that uh, you couldn't. Star Wars. Okay. Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. If we only made one episode, it would have been Star Wars. I, I consider that the ending of the Star Wars episode. I. I consider that to be one of the greatest moments of my entire life uh, was walking around with those guys and, you know, going back to selling the show, um, you know, that was always the way I pitched the show was like, you know, it's like you could go to Gettysburg and there's like a tree with like cannonballs in it. And people are like <laughs> 180 years ago, this is where these kind of, and nothing is left of the battle, but there's this tree that has metal balls in it that if you weren't told what it was, you wouldn't know. But when you're told this is where Gettysburg was and you see these metal balls in the tree, you're like, oh, shit, people were really shooting at each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that was what I feel we conveyed well in the Star Wars episode. It was, you know, just taking these two older guys who had their – amazing moments 30, 40 years earlier and, and going back and just reimagining what it looked like at that time and walking around with them. Like I said, truly one of the greatest moments of my entire life. Well, also replicating ILM uh, was just bananas. I mean, that's also one of the coolest things that I've been a part of. 
Very cool. I really have to ask. Um, you said that one hit the home the, the most with you. It it seemed just in the four episodes that were released already, the the He Man one seemed to be just the most fun. Were those guys as zany and and, and as characters in and of themselves as they seemed to be? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They uh, <laughs> they were great. I mean, they and, and just so you know, full disclosure, I was not into He Man at all. I, I bought my first He-Man toy ever less than a year ago, probably about six, okay. seven months ago. Um, so uh, it, it was, it was all really new to me, uh, learning about the information. But you know, the other thing which happened, which was really just speaking outside of the show, very interesting. There is a huge, angry, um, dark uh, fight between a lot of those gentlemen. And I don't know if it's due to my background in comedy. I don't know if it's just my personality, but I didn't want to do that story and I didn't want to do that show. So we, there's another documentary about He-Man, which I have not seen. Um, that is apparently all about the feud between these three guys, primarily two, but actually three guys who all like to take a lot of credit for stuff. And we made a conscious effort, you know, we would interview them and they would definitely say angry, crazy, mean, dark things. And we just didn't put that in the show. We found the stuff that was telling the story, but was humorous and nice. And many times in the interviews, you know, there would be moments where it would start to head dark and I'd be like, no, whoa, 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 whoa. This, we're not Geraldo Rivera. Let's, let's, uh, and, Every other show I've done in my entire career, I have encouraged darkness. I have encouraged <laughs> anger. I have encouraged crying. But on this show, which is about fucking toys, like this is not, this isn't the show to be dark. Like this is the show to make people feel good. So to answer your question, uh, and if I'm rambling, I apologize. Um, but we, we just really tried to tell the truth and tell the story accurately, but not have it become about bitter old men, but have it be about, you know, uh, people looking back fondly uh, on their golden years. Now, I got that sense, especially from the Barbie episode. There's a lot of that was there's like almost a soap opera or its own yeah. little movie built into the creation of Barbie, especially the things <laughs> That happened in later years. Uh, that was uh, especially those, the cutthroatness. Yeah, those is. characters were uh, pretty interesting in and of themselves. They were like cut right out of Dynasty or something. Well, one of my favorite people that I we interviewed over three hundred people for the first eight episodes, wow. and truly, she's either I, I don't want to say who's my favorite, but one <laughs> of my favorite people, top 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 <laughs> top top two percent. Uh, was Jill Barad, uh, who was most people know her from the show, the the woman talking in front of the the crazy statue. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> she she was absolutely one of my favorite people, and one of my favorite things about her, and I I don't know how much I think she would appreciate what I'm about to say. I don't know. But one of my favorite things about her was we would interview all these other people that had worked with her. And a lot of people didn't like her. And what I loved about what I thought was so funny was so many of these people that had worked with her and didn't like her, all of them, 
all of them said, oh, if Joe was still there, oh, Bratz would have lasted four months. Like every <laughs> single one of them who would spend an hour trashing her would then be like, oh, yeah, Barbie would still be the number one toy in the world if, if Joe was in charge, <laughs> which I just thought was so interesting uh, about human beings in general, uh, but Jill in particular. But she was she was amazing. And the other thing I also thought was wonderful about her was – very rarely, and I, you know, doing what I do, I've interviewed a lot of people uh, all over the place, different levels of, of whatever. And she was one of the hot, most successful people I have ever interviewed who literally just answered every question with no filter. It was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, just no, generally, you don't get that from a former CEO. Yeah. Uh, and it was really cool. Really, really cool. Um, I I really have to ask too. Um, I just kind of speaking back to Rick's statement about GI Joe, and that was a huge part of it. It was more of a ramble, up. but I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> I um <laughs> I, I grew up with a huge GI Joe is a huge part of my life as well, and Ninja Turtles. Um, but you know, it, it I think in the '80s there was the whole Reagan thing, and it was the the Cold War going on, and it really instilled this like sense of like patriotism. So it like sort of fueled the GI Joe craze along with the TV show. Um, this kind of leads to my next question, actually. You know, there's the the cartoon, the comic, um, and a very very successful toy line with GI Joe. They're they're not super successful now. I mean, like I feel as though GI Joe collectors at this point, it's sort of people our age, kind of going back and finding the ones that they miss and that sort of thing. Why do you think GI Joe hasn't really come back the way you know other toys have? Like you know, turtles have stayed pretty relevant with movies and uh, and cartoons, but GI Joe's sort of fallen by the wayside. I think first of all, that, that's a really, really good question. I, I have not been asked that before. Um, I think that G.I. Joe, it, it's a really interesting story, some of which did not make it into the episode. But, you know, when Hasbro bought Kenner, the good news was, which continues to be good news up until this very day, they got Star Wars. The, the the less than good news was that there were a lot there was a lot of overlap between the Kenner team and the Hasbro team and for the most part the Kenner team uh ended up replacing a lot of the GI Joe people and what happened was um a lot of the things that made GI Joe GI Joe uh which was this very very, very delicate balance between hardcore military realism meets wacky sci-fi that just perfectly walked the line without ever being too military or too wacky sci-fi. That was lost. And ever since then, they've just never been able to find that perfect edge again, including the two movies. Yeah. Um, and the thing yeah, they, they... that I, the thing that I don't understand in, in a post Marvel world, I understand before Marvel and Iron Man, I understand when non comic book, non geeks are running a studio and they don't get a source material, and it gets all fucked up. I get it. I get it. But then 
you have Iron Man come out. And you're like, yeah, all right, all right, that did well. Then, I don't know, Captain America, Hulk, I don't know the order. But you start to have a bunch of these Marvel things come out, and you're like, oh, all right, oh, okay. Well, oh, who's running Marvel? Oh, Kevin Feige's running Marvel. Oh, oh, he's a big comic book fan. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I get it. He's just turning comic book stories into movies. <laughs> oh, okay. And so what I've never understood is to this day why no one is like, hey, you know what's weird? I noticed that G.I. Joe was very successful in the 80s, and a lot of people seem to revere these comic books. Uh, uh, maybe, why don't we look at the comic books uh, or the cartoon and do that? <laughs> but uh, so I, I, that's just what doesn't happen. Uh, for some reason, which to me at this point is is a little bizarre. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and you 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 literally see the history of Star Trek movies and toys is like Brad Gray, who used to run Paramount, hated science fiction, hated it, <laughs> didn't get it, and you can see how that affected Star Trek. So yeah. for me, I feel like with Star Wars, or sorry, with GI Joe. You you take the first twenty comics, you turn that into a movie. Destro yeah, has seems, a silver head. Yeah. Baroness, so, like you just do just do what they did, update it a little. But yeah, I, I've never understood that. It's all there. There's a you know Infinity. Uh, what do you call it? Infinity Wars? I'm pretty sure that was a comic book twenty thirty years ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was it was actually Thanos Quest um, yeah, specifically. Like, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. right. <laughs> Push your glasses. And again, I'm not taking away. I'm not taking away from Kevin Feige. I'm not taking away from Marvel. I'm not taking away from Disney. What they are doing is unprecedented. It's it's never happened before. It's amazing that they've pulled it off. It's 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 mind blowing. It is mind blowing what they've accomplished. Mm. But that being said, they are using an instruction manual that was written 30 years ago, and and they would have been fools not to. And I would argue Paramount was insane doing what they did with the first two G.I. Joe movies. It was yeah. all there. It was. You're right. I mean, there's. I mean, Larry Hama did all of that groundwork with backstories and everything. He, it was all laid out for them, and they just chose to go somewhere else. Those movies are a complete mess. <laughs> and, 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 and it's not just the people. It's not just the characters. It's not just that they screwed up all these characters. It's like... Show the show the hovercraft, show the hydrofoil, show the flag, show the. They had something that almost looked like the fucking hiss, which I think they did by accident. <laughs> and like I, I mean, they, they were they were grown men crying in the theaters. Like I mean, it was like Jesus, just show the fucking whale. So uh, yeah, it was just really. So I'm sorry again. I'm not just rambling. Now I'm getting angry. But to answer your question, I think that if 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 they just went back to what worked. Uh, then they, everything would be fine. Yeah, it's. I just remember seeing the movie, and I was like, did, did I? If they called it anything but GI Joe, I'd be okay with this movie as like some sort yeah. of military type thing, right? But that was not GI Joe, you know. And yeah, and it's a shame because my now my, now my son and your five day old, they need a GI Joe line to play with, you know. And and there isn't <laughs> one, unfortunately. But there's a lot more out there. So I I I think it's gonna come back, and I think people do are starting to understand this. Prim I mean, the greatest example of this, as you know, 
is a He-Man movie where He-Man didn't say, I have the power. <laughs> and, I mean, nothing uh, the, the, nothing will beat that as the, the case in point of the the power that Greenlight's films not under not believing in in the source material, but uh, but uh, yeah yeah agreed. <laughs> so uh, you know, toy obviously the the time in which we grew up collecting all these toys was the time of the toy store, and now the last toy store is going away. How does it make you feel that Toys R Us is going kaput? Removing anything serious from the equation, like the health of my family or the health of my friends or the success of my company and the people that I work here with, it's as depressing as it gets. I mean, it's so depressing. Yeah, okay. it's. I would agree. Yeah, it's just, you know it's the yeah. staple. Like it's, it's, this Gut generation rich. is going to grow up without that. You know, it's so strange yeah um, I, I mean i'm already like i, I don't know I, I don't know where to get solo shit do you? <laughs> where do you go oh tom tom already yeah, i know it's funny but that i know it's funny but i'm not even trying to be funny where do you go target yeah i guess you gotta go to a target to get this walmart to get that fucking cvs to get the, that <laughs> like i mean is, I, I don't uh, dollars yeah and you can literally the sit there he's right He's right. No, it's true. It's completely it's true. true. I was in uh, Walgreens. Walgreens had an exclusive. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, well, uh, literally, I'm going to sit there with my five day year old three or four years from now, and I'll be like, you're not going to believe this, dude. But like, there used to be this thing where it was like all in one building. <laughs> so instead of driving uh, all around the fucking city uh, trying to put together three vehicles. Uh, you you actually uh, could walk down three aisles, or sometimes one aisle. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's, no, it's uh, gut wrenching. Absolutely, it really is. Um, all right, so the second half of season one comes out May twenty fifth. Remind everyone which episodes. What are we going to see in the second half of season one? Transformers, Lego, Hello Kitty, and Star Trek toys. Uh, I'm excited Thanks. about the Star Trek toys. What? I got a garage full of those Thank Playmates you. ones from the nineties. My every I get a lot of crap late, since it was announced. Why did you do Hello Kitty? Why did you do Star Trek? And <laughs> anyone who questions me about Hello Kitty is ignorant. I mean, yes. Hello Kitty is bigger than almost every single line we covered, other than Star Wars and Transformers. I, but Star I Trek, I do I I give them credit for Star Trek. <laughs> like that that was me being like, you know what, I love Star Trek toys. I don't know if I'm gonna get to make any more episodes. I'm fucking doing Star Trek it's my show. <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 they 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 so I, there was a right to but I will tell you this, it is a really fun episode because unlike all the other toys that we cover, which were religiously controlled products by powerful companies that understood what they were doing. Star Trek was, I mean, literally over, like, Star Wars, you could argue, has been owned by one company for 40 years. Hello Kitty, same thing. Transformers, same thing. Star Trek, conservatively, has had 28 separate licensors wow. in the same amount of time. Yeah, that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> So it's just a really fun story that's about chaos uh, versus the, the, the control and organization uh, that some of the others had. 
I, I can't wait. Um, can you give us any hints about what we might see in season two? Um, when, so it's all very confusing. So the, the four episodes that come out in May, uh, that is now being called season two. It is. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yes, I apologize for that. Uh, and then season three. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I can't like say for sure, but like maybe some of the toys you've asked about already might oh. be in it. Mm-hmm. I, how about that for an answer? Okay. Can't that's confirm or answer. deny anything. That's a good answer. They're, I like that answer. They're, they're, I believe three of the four that we're doing right now have already been discussed. Oh, that's good stuff. Okay. Um, but but then, nobody better make a transcript of this and print it out <laughs> with a highlighter. I don't know. Rick's, Rick's if, mom is if, scribbling if heavily in a notebook that, right it, now. It, it validates what I'm saying. It, it, it's not, <laughs> not true. <laughs> Will the court reporter please read back what Mr. Volkweiss just said? <laughs> All right. So being a guy who has a background in comedy, what was maybe the funniest thing that you guys could not include in the show? Oh, Jesus. That's another great question. Huh? I don't know about that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that just because we really tried hard to be around 50 minutes. There's a lot of stuff we didn't include, but I don't know about funny stuff. You know, one of the things that's funny about editing anything is uh, the, the longer you work on something, and I've never worked on anything as long as this. I mean, it literally took about a year uh, to make uh, the show. I mean, more, to be honest with you, more than a year. Um, and I've made shows that between green light and on the air has been four months. Um, but, uh, God, funny stuff that didn't make it. Um, I gotta tell you, I think we put it, I, I cannot think of, this is the kind of thing I'll wake up in a week. Be like, fuck. I should <laughs> uh, but I, I, it's a great question, ma'am. I have not been asked that. Um, I'll think about it. Uh, and for what it's worth, I'll show you an email or something. But I, uh, I definitely can think of stuff we cut. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a couple people we filmed, and I'm not going to name them, that we interviewed. Yeah, yeah, again, I'm not going to get – here's the thing. A lot of the people we interviewed in the Barbie – for the Barbie episode in particular, um, and this, this doesn't happen very often in general – but as it relates to the Barbie episode, for whatever reason, uh, every now and then when you're sitting and like I said, I, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. I've interviewed probably a couple thousand people at this point. Like every now and then you're doing an interview and you're literally doing the interview and you want to look at the person talking and you never do this, of course, but you want to look at the person talking and be like, excuse me, excuse me. Do, do you see this machine next to me? Um, it is recording every single thing you're saying right now <laughs> and your face. So uh, maybe, maybe you don't want to be saying this stuff because this machine has the ability to spread it all over the planet uh, for the rest of the existence of our civilization. So you're, you're really saying bad things right now that, for you, for your company. So that happens every now and then. But the there were multiple times when we were interviewing people, especially some of the people that worked on Barbie in like the sixties and seventies, where we were like, looking at them like, 
how is this going to fit in? Like, <laughs> like, 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 this is like, you're not even being sexist. You're being like something sexist cubed. So, and by the way, <laughs> half of those interviews were with women where you were literally like, uh, like, this is not good for you or Mattel or Barbie. So we definitely, there, there was a fair amount of stuff like that. It was kind of dark comedy. It wasn't like really funny, funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was stuff that was funny and made us laugh in the editing day, but we sure as hell did not uh, put into the episode. Because it's just, you know, it's just there was no need to put it in. Sure, sure. Um, all right, so I got to, before I let you go, uh, we ha- I have to ask you because uh, you, like you said, you have a background in, you know, producing a lot of stand-up comedy and stand-up comedy specials. And uh, you co-directed Kevin Smith's upcoming stand-up special for Showtime. That's going to be on this month. And, you know, normally that wouldn't make the Today Show or national news, but he had his massive heart attack while he was filming it. And you said you were there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, it, uh, it was, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was very surreal. Uh, I was, uh, first of all, I just want to say whatever you've heard about him being the coolest, nicest guy on earth. That is 100% accurate. Um, so I just want to start with that. But, uh, yeah, man, we were uh, – the we wrapped the first show. Everything was great. Uh, I went downstairs to talk to him. Everything was fine. Uh, there was a couple people that I wanted to introduce him to. He said he was okay with that. I got those people. I brought them down. Uh, he took pictures with them. Everything was fine. I walked them back upstairs, then I walked downstairs. That took less than 90 seconds. And by the time I got down, uh, Kevin, in his own words, has described what happened, so I don't feel the need to do that. Um, But needless to say, uh, he he was incapacitated. Uh, And um, I've done uh, almost 200 stand-up specials. I have never canceled a show ever, never come close to it, ever. It never even dawned on me to cancel a show. And um, basically, I would say within 30 seconds of seeing him, uh, I knew we were canceling the show. We didn't know it was a heart attack yet. So I actually went out on stage and let the audience know that uh, Kevin was not feeling well and we had to cancel the show. And when I made that announcement... Uh, we actually thought it was food poisoning or something. Uh, and by the time I got off stage, I was up there for less than two minutes. Um, we were, we knew it was a heart attack and, uh, the, the ambulances came and I have God will, I mean, thank God I've been very lucky in my life. I have never seen anything like this before, but I mean, it was really amazing, man. We're in Glendale you know, I would assume a couple hundred thousand people live in Glendale. I don't know, but there's a lot of people in Glendale. It's a big city. Um, the ambulance was there in like less than 10 minutes. I mean, maybe eight or seven or eight minutes. Um, they all came in. They the, the whole thing. I mean, just it was so professional, so organized, so structured. And, you know, they had him in the hospital, you know, less than an hour after we called him. And, um, from what I've been told, you know, he, uh, first of all, if this had been 10 years earlier, he almost definitely would have died. Um, and even now, uh, you know, if he was 
in a hotel room by himself probably would have died. So, uh, you know, the one thing I'll tell you that I learned from this, and I tell everybody this, I think a lot of people are of the opinion that uh, the symptom of a heart attack is uh, either chest pains or, like, uh, sharp pains in your arm. That's what I've heard my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that is not true. I believe that is true. But there are other symptoms. And uh, the other symptoms are very similar to food poisoning. So, um, you know, just be mindful. You know, again, if you're alone in a hotel room or something, and you, uh, you know, you throw up or, or you faint or something, call the front desk because you, you might be unconscious 10 minutes later uh, and you don't even know it. So wow. that, that was definitely something I learned that was very valuable. And, you know, the other thing I also just want to say, and this wasn't something that, uh, you know, sometimes in life you want to tell a story just so you don't forget it. You know, he had that heart attack. I guess about 10 o'clock on a Sunday. Wednesday morning, I went to his house to say hello and to check in, you know, give him, you know, flowers or whatever. It wasn't flowers, but actually, you know what I gave him? Don't tell Netflix, but I gave him a, a, a DVD copy of the Transformers episode. <laughs> uh, but uh, he... Um, I literally driving there would have bet you every penny I have in the bank... Uh, I would have been there for less than 30, maybe less than 10 minutes. He would have been in a room, could barely talk. Maybe he was sleeping like that. That is what I expected. And uh, I went into his house, and uh, you got to get up to, like, the living quarters of the house or where his office is, I should say. Uh, you got to go up a flight of stairs, and there's a landing. And as I'm walking up the stairs, again, expecting to be talking, not even, you know, sitting next to a guy in bed, you know, who could barely talk. Uh, he literally, out of like that famous scene of Tom Cruise uh, from Risky Business sliding across the, the floor, that's pretty much what happened. I'm walking up the stairs and all of a sudden, whoop, hey, Brian. I'm like, Kevin? And again, this is noon on Wednesday wow. after a 10 p.m. heart attack on Sunday. And what he told me was really interesting. He said, and this, of course, is what the doctors had told him. You know, when he got to the hospital, they ran a, a, a tube up one of his veins that fixed the problem and, and, and whatever. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, they would have cracked your chest open, uh, tried to fix it if they could, and you had to stay in the hospital for weeks because they had literally cracked your chest open. Right. So it, the issue now is do you survive or not? It's not anymore like, oh, I survived. Now there's this crazy period of recoupment. Like he, he was fine. Wow. Wow. That's, so that, uh... that for me – is almost the most surreal moment. I it that's with uh, there was a moment like I said I don't want to discuss because it's private. But sure. mm -hmm. there was a moment before the ambulance showed up. That was one of the most scary, horrible things I've seen in my life. I mean, just horrible. But and as you know, the human brain doesn't like to dwell on horrible. So yeah. for whatever reason, the moment I remember the most about this entire situation is him doing that like risky business thing uh, at the top of the stairs uh, when I expected to be talking to a guy stuck in bed. Wow. 
that's I, that's some story. We're huge fans of his. I mean, it's Rick and I. That's been kind of the through line of our entire friendship has been Kevin Smith's movies and projects and stuff. And uh, you know, if you talk to him, let him know that some fans of his are thinking about him uh, and glad he's okay. I will do that. I will do that. And, and you are. It's funny. Many times in my career, I talk to people who tell me they're big fans of people that I work with, and I'm like, hey, if you only knew. <laughs> but, uh, Kevin, Kevin is the opposite, man. I mean, whatever you see of him on TV, that is him. He, he is wonderful, wonderful soul. Wow. That's it's always good, good to, to hear stuff like that. Thank you. That really, I really appreciate that. Well, well, season oh, thank two. Thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled jazzed. Season two of The Toys That Made Us hits Netflix on May 25th. And the Kevin Smith uh, stand-up special hits Showtime uh, May 11th. Uh, Brian Volkweiss has been our guest, the creator of The Toys That Made Us. Brian, thank you so much. We hope this wasn't too painful. (laughs) It was a lot of fun, guys. A lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks again to Brian uh, for uh, joining us and stepping into our dingy little corner of the internet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and regaling us with some stories about making a really cool show. If you haven't watched The Toys That Made Us, it's on Netflix. Check it out. It's great. Um, all right. So that leads us to the questions, gentlemen. Oh, oh is it time? It is time. It is time. Oh. And uh, Rick, you're all hot to trot, so we'll start with you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> is it because I rambled so much through my question? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's the first guest to call you on that, though. Well, and 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 he was a gentleman in that he also admitted that he can get excited and can ramble from time to time. <laughs> yeah, well. I think he appreciated it. it was yeah, a, it was he did. A Thank you. Mutual. There's a mutual ram- rambleification, is is what we call <laughs> it in the rambler community. Oh, <laughs> are you a member of Rambla? <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, maybe? <laughs> oh, Christ, this has gone terribly. Can we it try all, this it again? Take, take, take two. You take, take two. two. You take, take two. two. <laughs> all take right. Two. So, Rick, the question is, sir, what's pissing you off? <sighs> well, Tom, I'll tell you. And uh, I, 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 okay. So, I am mostly our Twitter presence, as we all know. Occasionally, Tom, <laughs> you search me in that. I was like, Only. Mostly? Mostly the Twitter presence for those two jerks. Sometimes Tom gets a wild hair up his ass and has to, uh, you know, dominate once more to let me know that I am but the sidekick to him. (laughs) Article 2, Section 3 of the Jerkstitution, as I stated, sir. You can't argue with the law. No, I can't. I can try, but it doesn't (laughs) matter. I can yell total witch hunt and maybe that'll help. (laughs) You can tweet total witch hunt. I could tweet it in all caps. Um, (laughs) So I spent a lot of time on Twitter. And while I'm on Twitter, excuse me, I noticed that there has been some sort of happening uh, in the, in the Twitter nerd world. Okay. A happening. Okay. A happening, a, an event, a thing, if you will. And what I've noticed is that people out there are really, really all in for this conspiracy theory bullshit tomfuckery of... Hey, I take issue with that as a tom. Well, you can take all the issue you want. It doesn't make it any less fuckery. 
of the idea that there is a cut of Justice League out there that is all and only Zack Snyder's cut, and that this cut of Zack Snyder's Justice League is far and away the best version of the movie, and it is being denied. It is being <laughs> kept under wraps. It is being held from the community because we are we are we are scum and we are un clean so we can't see the the magic snyder cut of <laughs> justice league and so there is this community that willingly refers to themselves as snyder cut truthers and these people can go and piss right to hell wait Just they, call, they call themselves this yes yes they oh, I do you made that up no no oh they God. are they are snyder cut truthers and there is there is a community within our community that is all in for the idea that it wasn't the fact that Justice League was terrible. It was that that rat bastard Joss Whedon got his grubby little paws on it, his way too grabby hands, allegedly, and ruined what would have been a perfect film from Zachary Quinto Escobar Snyder. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, would it pain you to believe, sir, that your co-host is not, I is half one of them? Co-host. Uh, it wouldn't pain you yeah. because yeah, you guys co-hosts. are rat bastards too. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it makes sense. I, it's no, I okay. mean the I believe yeah. the cut exists. I don't know if it's better, but obviously the cut exists. How do you know? How can you just be so obvious? Because they were already in post production when he stepped away. So obviously his version of the movie is shot. So it exists. His version of the movie exists. It may never be released, but it exists somewhere. Yeah, and he's released, you know, there's supposedly a lot of deleted stuff that he's kind of leaked via his quasi-Instagram, whatever, elitist thing, right? I, I don't know. I don't pay attention to that. I have much more important things to do on the internet than care about a shittier version of an already terrible movie. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not going to call myself a, a Zack Snyder truther or flat earther or whatever. Snyder cut truther. Snyder please. cut truther. So I apologize. Um, Thank you. But I will say, I mean, like, it, <laughs> to try to say that it was this masterpiece that's being held <laughs> down by, you know, the, the man or whatever the case is, <laughs> I, I think that's a bit much. I, I, I do believe, and I, or maybe I just want to believe, that there is some his vision out there because he's, you know, in interviews has sort of let on that he's had this sort of grand scheme of like a trilogy and like five Superman movies and stuff. And maybe he had this grand design in place that maybe was a little bit too nerdy for people that, that just didn't, appeal, that or, you know, Unicron wouldn't have appealed or felt wouldn't appeal to the general audience. They wanted to go with a, a lot more light. No, 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 none of none of this. None of this. The the, the movie's terrible. <laughs> the movies the movie we all agreed was not the worst thing ever produced. Right? Justice League, we all sat here and were like, well, it it's a pile of shit, but at least it's not a flaming pile of right. shit. Right. It was like, it was a pile of shit with some edible pieces. Like it was Right. Right. We all agreed that that this movie was not, it was not Batman v Superman, but it also wasn't really, you know, any of the Marvel movies because 
all of those are passable. <laughs> right? We all agreed that. Yeah, I mean... So in other words, what does it matter if there's some Zack Snyder cut? What is it? Is it going to be? Is it going to be a seventy-two out of a hundred? Is it going to be a sixty-eight? We talking D well, plus? I mean, I mean we, that's the thing. Is seventy-two is a C? So, uh, finish your sentence. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you go from a D to a C, that's the difference between graduating and not, probably. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that this, this is. This is this is where you're going, huh? This That's is the difference between that guy who is two hundred thousand dollars in debt versus doctor. Who, <laughs> you know, I mean, That's like... right. <laughs> so this this is where you're this this is where you guys are burying your flag. Yeah, your man. Look, man. You go from a D to a C. You're in American medical school instead of you know Caribbean medical school. Yeah, well, at least you don't have to pay for Caribbean medical school anyway. <laughs> That is what's pissing me off, and you guys ain't helping. Chris! <laughs> Chris. Yes. What's pissing you off? Delegation. <laughs> Delegation. Any specific delegates? Or? Oh, oh, oh. Just, just hang tight. <laughs> so, so, so I've... I've been off of work for two days because my son has surgery and whatnot, and, and you know, one of the biggest gripes or criticisms i guess people have about me at work is chris you're so stressed out all the time you know you're 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 so hard-headed why don't you delegate responsibility and blah 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 right so so i do i'm like you know what i have a bit a lot more on my plate nowadays i pick an extra responsibility I, i'm gonna be gone i need to really really tend to my my son for two days there's a lot of work at the end of the month i i should delegate my responsibilities while i'm out of the office right so so i do that and and, and i i spend all day Wednesday, just just wrapping up as much as I can because I don't like to leave anything on the plate. And and then I, I any open points I have, I type this lengthy email saying you need to do this, you need to do this. Um, you know, here are the the logons and passwords. Do this. This is where you'll find that. All this needs to get done. It's very important. I'm gone Thursday, Friday. I come back Monday this morning. It, it, how how much of that do you think is done? Oh, I'm going to guess none of it, but that's just none my opinion. Not Absolutely none. <laughs> Literally none, right? So I spend today, which is the last day of the month, which I should be wrapping up things, which should have been done already. No, no, no. I'm, I'm doing the things that should have been done over the past two days instead. Doing all that so that I can come in early to work tomorrow, which, mind you, our, our hours open. We, we are open from 6 to 5. That means I'll be in at five instead to, to get a heart head start on my day. And, and, and all this because, you know what, Chris, you, you know, you, you do a good job, but you get so stressed out and get cranky and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and you know, you, you, really, you really should just delegate more and, you know, hold people accountable and blah, blah, blah. Well, I did that. I did that for, you know, my, I don't like to use the word subordinates, but I did it for some <laughs> subordinates. I did that for my, for, my, for my own boss, the person who's telling me I need to delegate. None of it got done. Not even the stuff that I delegated to my boss. The guy who told me I need to delegate. So I, 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 I just don't know. You know, it, it's, it's a catch-22, right? Like, th that's like the bullshit people will give you. They'll, they'll sit there and they'll say, blah, blah, blah. You should delegate more. Empower other people. You share your responsibility. We all grow stronger. Whatever. None of it gets done. There's a reason why I'm in the position I am. 
it's because I get shit done and I do the fucking work that I'm asked to do and then some. And there are other people who don't do that. And, and the, the, uh, it's just, it's fucking frustrating, man. So, yes. <laughs> I, I like what I like when I come with the funny and Chris comes with the real. It's such a difference. <laughs> it's just, it's so annoying, dude. I, I uh, so yeah. <laughs> I can tell it seems to be pissing you off. It is. It is much so. Um, however, probably not as much as what's pissing Tom off this week. Uh, Tom. <laughs> Tom was calling about a purple wall last week. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a purple wall set me off last week. God knows what it could be this time. <laughs> if I see plaid, I throw up. I don't okay. know. <laughs> so you, you mentioned purple wall last week. Yeah. This is all over my fucking Facebook feed now. People, goddamn, if people didn't have so many goddamn annual passes, and now this purple wall is all over my fucking mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Now that you, I don't know whether it's like just synchronicity that you mentioned it, and now it happens, but it's ugh, just. It's probably the Facebook the algorithm because you were tagged in a post that hashtagged purple wall, which now was Russia the podcast last week. And now, yeah, now Mark Zuckerberg wants to, thinks you want to see the purple wall. So does Russia and Trump. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that last one, dude. I, you know, anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Tom. Yes. What's pissing you off this week? Uh, people who don't complete their shopping before they get in the checkout line. <laughs> You're such a prick. <laughs> no, no. I'll explain. I ran into an extreme I ran into an extreme case of this the other day. Oh, I got I'm sure you did. I got in the checkout line at the at the supermarket behind several items on the belt with no person next to them. Like the woman whose stuff that was, was three aisles over still getting more stuff to bring over, to put on the belt. And she was the next person. They were starting to scan her stuff and she was not there. She was not there. And then she gets there with her extra stuff. And as they're scanning her stuff, then, then the rest of her family comes with even more stuff to add to cut in front of me and add on. So what was five items is now 25 items <laughs> and a balloon and a cake and a partridge in a fucking pear tree. How, okay. Okay. All right. How much more time did this actually add to your day, Tom? It was, it was conservatively minutes. Okay. <laughs> 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 but it was precious minutes. They were very precious minutes. I had my toddler with me. And uh-huh. you, when you have a small child with you in a store, it's seconds count. It's, it's mission impossible. <laughs> it's get out of there before he wrecks everything. Like, he just, uh-huh. Uh-huh. like, like my, my kid has decided now he wants to kick everything on the bottom shelf in the store. <laughs> that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> well, it's just, it's so, so it's seconds count. And, and, you know, to make things even worse, is then it was our turn, and I realized that we forgot something, and I had to go back and get <laughs> you schmuck, you schmuck. So I had to run back and get one thing, 
while they were while my wife waited and they started screaming. You were so busy. Right. You were so sure of yourself to make fun of these poor people. Like I was so angry. I was so angry. I'm, I'm writing a note in my phone to talk about this on the show, and then not not no sooner did I hit done on that note for myself, my wife says, "Hey, we forgot." Blah blah blah. Can you go get it? And I'm like, "Oh fuck." I'm now I'm I now guess. the thing I hate. I'm now the thing I hate. But did you placehold with your 25 items? Well, no, no. We had everything. We forgot one thing. And my wife was there. One there was thing, no phantom. There was only one thing. It wasn't Chris. 20 things. And there, no. I didn't, there wasn't no one there. No, no. There wouldn't be. <sighs> minutes, man. Minutes. <laughs> it was a long day. <laughs> So, so terrible. <laughs> terrible. There's there's rules in society. Are there so, social there... contract? We have a social contract. I mean, it's like the towel thing, right? Like, like the beach chairs at a pool. Oh, oh, that drives me nuts. That drives me nuts. I had don't, to happen. Don't help him. Chris. We went to Do a concert. No, we went to a concert last week, and we were on the lawn, which is you know you just bring your own chairs or whatever. And we had people, two people show up with five chairs, long, huge, massive lounge chairs, basically the beach version of a couch <laughs> that they used to save whole sections of a row on the grass. I almost had a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like somebody needs to invest in some eight foot long uh beach chairs, huh? Like I legit like I legit was apoplectic about this. And I'm Of course like, you were. Of course you were. Because this is somehow the worst thing that's ever happened to you. It was in that moment. <laughs> oh well, in that moment. In that moment it was horrible. It's horrific. How did you ever survive? I don't know. I need therapy now. Well, you know, that wasn't the reason, but okay. Yeah, whatever. Rick, what did you <laughs> learn this week? Um, I learned that there is a, um, a group of people out there that I can always uh, ramble back to and not worry about things. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that we, <clears throat> we are a group of, of, of kind people who understand that sometimes it's hard to spit words out in cognitive sentences, and that's okay. Rambla. Rambla. We're here to help. <laughs> That's Rambla with an R. <laughs> please. Please. <laughs> Chris, what did you learn this week? I learned that um, sleep, I, I kind of go back to this, is <laughs> a hell of a drug. And it's uh, when when not given enough of it, one can get pretty, you know, get a little itchy, cranky, you know, start picking and stuff. But with the appropriate amount of sleep, you know, and you get your fix, it, it helps a lot <laughs> in life. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tom? Yes? What frightening, bizarre thing did you learn this week? <laughs> I, I learned that uh, when we have to, we can we can clean up the little jerk apartment here and and be on our best behavior for a guest. <laughs> Except for you, Rick. 
Whoa! <laughs> I just told you it's a community of people who understand each other on a visceral and, and understanding way. All right? So shut your goddamn cornholes, the both of you. <laughs> Rick, if people want to find us on Twitter, how can they do that? Oh, if you want to talk to Tom inadvertently on Twitter when you don't expect it, you can, you can tweet us. At those two jerks, please make sure you spell out T-W-O, or Tom won't be able to find you. Hey, it <laughs> says those two jerks, not Rick's Twitter, okay? Oh, no, no, it abs you're absolutely right. And at no point have we ever been on this show specifically mentioned that I mostly handle one of the two <laughs> social media markets. No, at no point do we ever mention that you handle mostly the other one. We never mention that. Excuse me for a moment while I quote the Jerkstitution. Oh, God damn it, with the Jerkstitution again. Pardon me while I find this, or as they said in Blazing Saddles, excuse me while I whip this out. Well, uh, here it is. We're here it waiting. Is. Here it is. Hold on, I can't find it. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Yeah, see, that's what happens. Tom shows up to Twitter. He says something, he and then he absconds back into the ah, ether ah, of the internet. I found it. I found it. Oh, okay. Article okay. 2, Section 3 of the Jerkstitution. He, the head jerk, shall, from time <laughs> to time, use the show Twitter account to address hashtag jerknation on the State of the Union, snipe at his co-host, and shamelessly promote side projects as he shall judge necessary and expedient. It's right there. It's written right there. The framers, they read they wrote it. It's there. You can't you can't infringe on that. It's my it's my constitutionally protected right. Yeah. It's great. I have I the got, right to I keep and bear tweets. I got Snyder truthers to the left of me. I got I got corporate synergy <laughs> happening to the front of me. Are you saying you're just you're taking it from all sides, Rick? Oh, oh, I think it's evident of the all-sideness <laughs> that I'm getting it from. Oh, my goodness. Well, Tom, yes. if they want to also talk to you, <laughs> <laughs> how can they get a hold of you sometimes and me practically never, but that won't stop you from throwing me under the bus anyway? <laughs> hey, it's good workout. Yeah, well, I do have to lift those <laughs> those cars. <laughs> They can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash those two jerks. Make sure to click like on the page. That way you'll stay up to date on all the latest happenings. And, you know, who knows if we decide to, uh, to, you know, keep things clean around here enough, we might have some more guests come by. We'll see. Improbable. Yeah. Yeah. It's unlikely, but it, it could be <laughs> doors open big doors. I see it already. It could, yes. Yeah, there's a big door opening, and uh, well, the last time I saw a door like this open, Gozer came through it, so oh, <laughs> might not be reference. good. Might not be a good idea. Anyway, what a reference. <laughs> Chris, if they want to email us, how can they do that? Those two jerks at gmail.com spell out T-W-O. That is correct, sir. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, you have a question, comment, complaint, want to join the discussion that we had on the show you can send us leave us a voicemail 32176 jerks j e r k s don't worry no human being will answer it's just a voicemail we promise 
<laughs> we promise. So thanks once again to Brian Volkweiss. Remember, Toys That Made Us Season 2 hits Netflix May 25th. And Kevin Smith's Silent But Deadly hits Showtime on May 11th. Check both of those out. For the Sussman, Rick Sussman, and the Vutastic, Vocational, Vucani, Chris Vu, I am the Tom Alexander. And until someone decides to make a documentary series about our show, we oh will remain those two jerks. See you next time. <laughs>